Hello, I'm Ivan, and welcome to this week's episode of the Amberlight Public Speaking Podcast. This is episode eight, Storytelling Part One. I'm a day late getting an episode out this week because my wife had a day off work yesterday, and as much as I enjoy doing this podcast, I decided I'd rather spend a day with her. Still, better late than never, and I think this episode is a really interesting one. I hope you'll agree. Before I get to the main part of the episode, I should mention that it can be tough sometimes putting together a podcast. What makes it easier is knowing that people appreciate the effort put in by supporting the podcast. I'll list some of the ways you can show your appreciation at the end of this episode, but one of the main ways you can do so is by buying the Amberlight Speech Timer app for iPhone and iPad. It's a really useful app for anyone who regularly gives speeches or presentations. It's also pretty cheap, so it won't hurt the wallet and it'll help me keep doing this podcast. Anyway, that's enough of that for now. On with the episode. I remember it so clearly. I left my home and walked into work on a lovely autumn day. Brisk but sunny. It was a Goldilocks day. Not too hot, not too cold. Just right. I came into my department office and gave everyone a cheery hello like I always do. My admin assistant brought me some documents to sign, just as she always did every morning. After that, I went and had a quick chat with each of my senior staff to ensure that all was well, and apart from some minor issues, everything was ticking along as it should. It had taken a few years of hard work to get here, but my department was now running like a Swiss watch, and I couldn't be happier. It was at this point my mobile rang. It was my boss. I'd been wondering where he was, so I guessed he was going to fill me in with this phone call. It turned out the news was terrible. He had had a heart attack at the weekend. I was shocked. Naturally, I commiserated and wished him a speedy recovery and struggled to know what else to say, frankly. At this point, he wanted to cut to the chase because he didn't want to stay on the phone for long. Doctor's orders. He was going to be away for a few weeks and there was one piece of business that he wanted me to deal with. A very important presentation to the senior management board in one week's time. The meeting was going to be our request to maintain our current budget level. We knew that without it we'd have to cut staff, and if we had to cut staff our service quality would drop off to where it was in the bad old days. And the bad news was that my boss had not yet done any prep for the meeting at all. I was going to have to start from scratch. I said that of course I could do the presentation and that it would be no problem. But I must confess, I was only saying that because I didn't want to cause him any stress while his health was at risk. Inside, my guts were tying themselves in knots and my palms were sweating just thinking about the task ahead. After I reassured him that I could do the job and do it well, we finished up the call and my boss retreated to his hospital bed to recover. I was now feeling so anxious I thought I might soon end up in hospital in the bed next to him. The rest of my day was a blur. I went through the motions in a daze, constantly distracted by the task ahead of me. At one point I looked around my office at all of my staff. How many of them would I have to make redundant? How much more work would everyone else have to take on? I even wondered if it was time to update my CV and think about moving on. At home I was despondent. 
I told my wife about what had happened that day and I was worried about where this was all going to end up. We saw some friends that evening and my mood hadn't improved. When I told one friend of my problems, he said that he had an idea for me. He knew this guy called Colhoun, who'd helped him out in the past with a big presentation, and he said he could put me in touch with him. I was sceptical, but at this point I was desperate and would be happy for any help. My friend popped out to make a quick phone call. When he came back, he had a big smile on his face and said, I told him how desperate you were, and he says he can see you at 7.30 tomorrow evening. My friend gave me an address on a post-it note. As he handed it to me, he said, Oh, he might seem a little bit strange, but he's really smart. I raised an eyebrow. My friend enjoyed the occasional prank, and I started to wonder if this wasn't another one of his cruel jokes. The next morning, I went into work. I glumly said hello to my staff. I signed off some documents without really acknowledging what they were. I cancelled all meetings with my staff. I sat down at my computer and opened Word to start writing my presentation. I looked at the flashing cursor. Everything I wanted to write was about how angry and frustrated I was, but I knew I couldn't write that, so the screen remained blank. I spent a couple of hours typing things and then deleting them. I got the post-it note that my friend had given me out of my wallet and looked up the address on Google Maps so I could work out how I was going to get there. I realised it was going to take me an hour and a half to get there and another hour and a half to get back. That was three hours when I could be writing my presentation. I could feel precious time draining away. I wondered if I should cancel, but then realised I had no way of contacting this Colhoun guy. If this was a prank, I was not going to be happy. By 5pm, I had a couple of pages of notes for my presentation, none of which I was happy with. I set off on my journey to Colhoun's house, which was going to be on three different buses. On each bus, I sat upstairs and stared out the window, wondering what I was going to do. Eventually, I got to Colhoun's house. It looked like I hadn't seen a paintbrush since the 1960s. The garden was a mess, with the weeds winning the battle for real estate. I walked up the path to the door and looked for the bell. There wasn't one. There was just a door knocker. Surely people don't use those anymore. I knocked the door knocker twice. I heard nothing. I could see nothing happening through the glass door either. If he isn't here, I thought, I'm going to be furious. After waiting for about 20 seconds, I tried again. Nothing. He isn't here, I thought. And this time I just banged a door knocker one more time, just because I needed something to take my frustration out, if nothing else. Suddenly a voice inside said, Hello. I pushed open the letterbox. Hi, we, we were going to meet at 7.30 today. My friend arranged for me to come round. Oh, yes, of course. I hadn't realised the time. Colhoun came to the door and opened it, letting me in. The inside of his house smelt musty and there were books everywhere. He looked like the cliché of an absent-minded professor. Glasses on a chain, wild grey hair, a blue short-sleeved shirt with an ink stain on the pocket. He asked me to sit down and tell him what the problem was. I told him all about the situation I was facing, 
how I'd changed things, how all my hard work was being threatened, and how it all rested on my presentation next week. I went through it all, probably in too much detail. After hearing me out, Colquhoun said he thought the best option I had for my presentation was to think of it as a story. He explained that storytelling is our most powerful method of communicating. It creates empathy and is memorable. He indicated a shelf at the far end of the room. Those books over there are volumes of mythology from all around the world. Greek and Roman, British and Irish, Nordic and so on. I must say at this point I wasn't sure how this was going to help me. Most of these stories, he said, have been tried and tested for many centuries and follow a similar structure which we can call the hero's journey. He explained this storytelling framework to me and showed me how it was often used in all kinds of stories. I was fascinated. I continued chatting with him for another hour as he explained in further detail how the hero's journey could help me turn my presentation into a story. I now knew what to tell the board so they wouldn't cut our funding. A week later, I was due to meet with the board. I sat outside the meeting room with my hands sweating and my throat was dry. My confidence was just ebbing away. Eventually, the PA of the chief executive came to meet me to tell me that they were ready to see me. I went into the room and set up my slides. I started the introduction to my speech, but then noticed that the remote for the slides wasn't working properly. My slides weren't advancing. I suspected the battery in the remote was flat. I wondered what to do. I could stand behind the computer in the corner of the room and advance the slides that way, but then I'd be far away from my audience. And then I remembered what Colquhoun had said about storytelling, and it was the strongest way of connecting with people. I made a snap decision. I abandoned the slides and just went with the story. I told them about how things were when I started as manager of the department, that support was slow and inconsistent, how all the staff in the company complained that IT offered terrible support. I was asked to improve things, to turn it around and to do it quickly. I admitted that it would be hard, but that I would try. I embarked on a series of improvements, some of which worked and a few that didn't, but I pushed on. I restructured the department, and while in the short term support got worse as we struggled with change, we came out of that dip a couple of months later, and since then support has been better than ever. Now people love the IT department. We know this because they keep telling us in satisfaction surveys and in feedback. I said to the board that every one of them sitting around that table knows how much has changed has been achieved in 18 months. Now that trust in the department has improved, we have some major IT projects to deliver in the next year. But if we cut funding today, we will lose staff. And not only will that endanger our ability to deliver on those new projects, but we may also lose all the gains we've made in the last year and a half. So, listener, I guess you want to know what happened next. Well, to be honest, I made all of that up. Sorry. But... I'll explain why in a moment. First, let's talk about the hero's journey, which is the subject of this episode. The hero's journey is a story framework that has been used in some of the oldest stories ever told and continues to be used in modern storytelling. It's in the Greek mythological story of Odysseus, all the way up to Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. 
when you know this framework, you have a route to great storytelling. The basic framework is this. The story begins with the hero on his home turf, their version of normality. But then something happens that causes the hero to leave their home. It could be an external thing or it could be their own desires that forces them to go on an adventure. They may be reluctant, but eventually they go anyway. And once they go, they meet a a mentor who provides them with guidance. With this guidance, the hero goes to confront their greatest fear or their nemesis. At this point, the hero has a big setback. Disaster is imminent. But then the hero seizes upon their inner strength or their special ability, and with this, they finally defeat the enemy. And then they return home a changed person. I bet that sounds like a pretty familiar story arc, right? Apparently, the hero's journey was discovered and originally written about by Joseph Campbell, who was an expert in mythology. He realised that most of the great stories throughout mythology share this basic structure. Campbell's writing was later discovered and popularised by the writer Christopher Vogler, who used these ideas in several movies for Disney, namely The Lion King, Aladdin, and, rather fittingly, considering its origins, Hercules. Now, in public speaking, we're not writing films, but it's worth understanding this framework because it gives us a tried and tested structure that we might use to get our thoughts and ideas across in a compelling way. For example, it's interesting to me how often TED Talks will have a similar structure. The speaker was going about their life, but they couldn't help but feel that there was greater knowledge to be found. Their curiosity sent them on an adventure. There was adversity along the way. Eventually, they made a great discovery, and then they came back and shared it with all of you, the audience. And now, with this hard-won knowledge, we have all been changed. That's pretty much how most of the TED Talks that I've seen go. As you'll have noticed, I have applied the hero's journey to the story I told you in this episode. And then within that story, I created a short hero's journey story to tell to the board. In the larger story, I stopped short of completing the story arc. To be honest, I felt I'd gone on long enough and I'd made my broader point. And I think it made for a fairly compelling story. Here's what you need to think about as a public speaker. You might not use the hero's journey in your speech, but I'd recommend referring to it when you're structuring your speech. It may suggest a story arc. It may suggest ways that you can make your story more compelling. Also note that you don't need to use it in its entirety. You don't need to stick to it slavishly. Just take what you need and drop the rest. There's a link in the show notes that explains the hero's journey in full. I'd strongly suggest you go and read it. Then I suggest you think about how it might help you with your next speech. I'd like to work through some more examples of the hero's journey, but I think I'll come back to it in another episode. For now, it's probably enough to bring it to your attention and give you an example. I hope you found it useful. Well, that's this week's episode. As I mentioned earlier, there are a few ways to support the podcast. And if you'd never heard of the hero's journey before, maybe you'd consider taking a moment to show your appreciation. 
The primary way you can let me know you appreciate my work is by buying my app in the Apple App Store. It's called Amberlite Speech Timer, and it's an invaluable tool when practicing your speeches. Just last week, I entered the International Speech Contest at my Toastmasters Club. I came second, by the way. And my Speech Timer app was vital for me. I was taking a story I'd written some years ago and was trying to convert it into a speech. Take it from me, condensing a 5,000-word story down to a 900-word speech is really tough. But I did it in the end, thanks to my app. So go and buy it if you have an iPad or iPhone. It'll help you too. If you don't have an iPad or iPhone, then please consider recommending the app to your friends who do. I assure you, they won't be disappointed. If you have iTunes, then please subscribe to the podcast there and perhaps leave a review. Ideally five stars, but go with what you feel is right. You can also subscribe on SoundCloud and Stitcher. Finally, if you don't have money to spare at the moment, and I understand not everyone is awash with cash, then please either go on Twitter and follow Amberlight app, that's Amberlight app, and retweet some tweets about the podcast or the app. If you're on Facebook, then please look up the Amberlight page there and like it. And you can also do the same on Google+, Plus if that's your favoured platform. And that's it for today. Thanks very much for your time. I look forward to speaking to you again next week. All the best. Bye.